Last week we talked with a volunteerism genius. This week we talk about right people problems. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. A couple weeks ago, we started talking about a thing that we put together here at Legacy Builders called the Legacy Flywheel. And uh, we kind of went through that a little bit, kind of just brushed over the top of it. But today, we really wanted to jump in on one of the spots in the flywheel. So if at first, you're like, I don't even know what that is, but you want to go and check out that episode. It's a couple episodes ago. We highly encourage you to go and listen to that. But we're going to be talking about the right people, why it's so important that they're in your organization, how you get them, how you keep them. And uh, let's just jump right in. So Lisa, first of all, why are the right people so important to an organization? Well, the right people are really the ones who make or break the organization. Like you as a leader, whether it's leader at the top of the organization or a leader in the middle of the organization, you can have all the ideas, all the vision, everything that you're trying to put into it. But if you don't bring the right people around you, um, it makes it really, really difficult to scale long term. So what ends up happening is we end up bringing in some of the people who are like, maybe they're not right, but they're not wrong. So they're okay. And if you're bringing in the right people, or I mean, like, okay people as maybe key leaders underneath you, maybe advisors are like above you, maybe people around you, like if you're bringing in people who aren't the right people for what it is that you're trying to do, you're really stunting your growth long term. And you're stunting your ability to actually execute and you're actually eroding your organization's trust. Because people might be drawn and compelled to you as the leader. Um, but when they look at the people around you, if they realize, oh, this leader says X, but the people around them aren't reflecting that, um, it can actually massively erode trust for what it is that you're trying to do. That doesn't mean that the people around you are bad <laughs> people. Nope. They just might not be the best fit for what you're trying to accomplish in your organization. And then there's a disconnect when people look, like Lisa was saying, when people look at you and your organization, then they look at the people who have been put into leadership by you. If there's a disconnect there, it can cause some real problems. But I will go as far as to say, too, if you put the wrong people, not just okay people, but the wrong people around you, it will actually shrink your organization. Like It mm-hmm. won't just make it hard to scale. It will scale the opposite <laughs> direction. It'll scale down. It'll scale down. I think it's fast. one of those where the right people help it grow. The wrong people make it shrink. And okay, people just allow it to atrophy over time. Yep. Because like, it's just, things it's are just, just gonna, not as noticeable. Things but naturally still, will devolve over yeah. time. So there's no such thing as just maintaining. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the right people in the organization, to, to, to just define what we're talking about, this could be advisors, this could be staff that you have placed, this could be leaders or volunteers that you've brought in to help and help lead. This could be partners. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about uh, bringing in a partnership with, say, another organization, uh, you want to be thinking, is this the right partnership for us? Um, this could be sponsors, like corporate sponsors. Is mm-hmm. this the right fit 
for us. So there are a lot of different ways this could play out. Oh, and your board. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The board is hugely important here, having the right people in those positions. Keep going. I just want to make sure that. Yeah. So um, what we always do when we look at the flywheel and we talk through it with organizations is let's say they're having a right people problem. What are some of the places that you're going to be looking at right away? Well, for me, it kind of depends on what else is going on in their organization. Sometimes if there's a lack of trust within the organization, I'm going to be looking at who they have in leadership positions. Um, If there's a lack of resources, oh, great example. Um, I was talking to a board member from an organization this last week, and they were having a lack of not financial resources, but people resources, like the time that was being invested into the organization. So they had some of the right people, they had followers, but it wasn't translating into true volunteers. And and the beginning, like shallow end of the pool of volunteerism is kind of how you start bringing the followers into becoming the right people. It's, yeah, it's part sort of like of, a sorting mechanism. It's part of the journey. Um, and their right people, they didn't have people in place who were able to figure out how they could actually build community with people who weren't in the core. And, you mm. know, we sat and we talked about it and they're an interesting organization. They have a lot going on and they have a lot of um, measurable impacts, their stories, their systems, like they have all these things that are really great. But what was happening was they didn't have anyone who was able to take someone on the outside and slowly allow them to come in and experience the organization and actually allow them to grow into being the right people. Hmm. So they either had people who were the right people or they were people who weren't involved. And there wasn't a really a path for them for that middle ground in order for that person to grow into someone who could care more about the organization and volunteer more and give more and actually become someone who is highly committed to the organization. And so with that one in particular, we're able to put together some action steps and a plan on actually how to build up the community while also building up the opportunities. But sometimes with the right people, it shows in the resources. Other times, not having the right people in place really messes up the systems and the impact and the stories that you're telling. So um, really, when we're going through our growth accelerator, we're asking questions across the board and trying to figure out what it is that's really causing that. And sometimes you might have the right people under you, but you don't have the right people over you. And sometimes Mm. that's flipped. So you can have the right people in the right positions for 90% of your positions, but it might just be 10% of your positions that are kind of screwing up the rest of your flywheel. Absolutely. And so that's kind of what comes downstream of (laughs) having a right people problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to point out another another right people that is a really big deal is like large donors, like big time sponsors, like maybe it's a family that is just regular giving and they give to your nonprofit on a regular basis. Um, If you're having a problem attracting those kind of people into the organization, you're having a right people problem. Mm -hmm. And it's now it's time to look upstream and figure out what's causing the right people problem because the flywheel is a big cycle so the first thing that comes to mind is the the spot on the flywheel that's right before uh right people <laughs> and it's personal growth this is huge huge you, you as the leader whether you know whether you're at the top or whether you're a leader from in the middle of the organization your personal growth is going to determine who is attracted to your organization to your mm-hmm. team 
to your business. And uh, very rarely is someone who is a super high caliber, like a higher caliber person than you, very rarely is that person going to be attracted to your organization because they're going to have to work under you. And typically people kind of can sort of see that and go, I don't know if I want to, like I might find, I'll go find a different organization that's doing something like this that I care about, but in the in a situation where the leadership is at a level where I want to work under them. Mm -hmm. They're very rarely going to exceed your level. So in order, if you're having a right people problem, the first place to look is at yourself and say, hey, am I the leader that people want to follow? Am Mm -hmm. I, you know, am I advanced enough in my knowledge, in my ability to uh, inspire people? Am I advanced enough in my ability to uh, organize things and keep people on track and all of that stuff and like really care about the people that we're serving with and serving. If you look at yourself and you're realizing those are some of those issues, that's probably why you're having a right people problem. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at who is attracted to you, that's a good indicator of where you're actually at. Like Ooh, part of good. attracting the right people is being the right people. That's true in relationships, too. It is. <laughs> I only attract desperate people who are way too clingy. Um... Oh, sorry to hear that. Um... <laughs> you might be creating that reality. Maybe let's do some personal development and see where things go from there. Um, but it's really true, though. If you're getting people who you're like, man, I wish I was getting more... <clears throat> Um, like, I wish I was attracting a certain type of person to be a board member for the organization... You might need to ask someone in that position why they aren't working with you. Um, And that's really, really hard to ask someone. Oh, yeah. Like, why won't you be a board member? Why don't you contribute? Or why won't you give to this? Um, And that's, I've had that question asked of me before from different people. Um, I've asked people before when I would be leading a team and someone wouldn't want to volunteer, they'd, you know, want to quit the team. I'd be like, all right exit interview time or like you won't even join the team. So what's going on on the front end that you're seeing that I'm not seeing and how can I grow and develop um, for a little long as a person? But sometimes it really takes us recognizing that we might think that we have high personal growth, but that doesn't mean that we actually do. Sometimes we can be blinded to our own ability because we all want to be the person who has it all together. Well, very often it's really hard to see your own blind spots. That's the whole point Mm -hmm. of why we call them blind spots. And that's part of the reason why having the right people is so important is it needs to be right people. Like the right people will come around you, but they also have to know that if they bring something back to you, that you're not just going to shut them down and say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. So if someone that we have around us that advises us comes to us and says, hey, listen, we think that this part's really good, but we've noticed that you aren't living up to X or you could be doing this thing better. We are taking it to heart and understanding. It's like one of our right people circled back, gave us some input about our own personal growth. We need to make sure that we are looking at that in identifying if it's true or not. And if it's true, we need to work on it so that those right people stick around. Yeah, because a right people problem can cause trust to deteriorate. And then now you're dealing with an organization that is hemorrhaging right people. And if people see an organization who's hemorrhaging right people, all of the right people who would have even checked out the organization are like, no. Now they're checking out. Yeah. Yeah, you'll lose right people before they ever get involved if they see that you're losing right people left and right. 
which is crazy. I think part of this goes even back a little bit more. So if we go further upstream, we have the followers, the vision, the resources part of the flywheel. And I think part of what stops um, leaders from getting the right people on their team is they confuse the right people with the followers. Hmm. And so there's this thing where they're like, okay, I have followers, I can cast vision, I can get some resources from them. And then when they need more resources, they circle back and go, but I need more followers. Yeah, they skip the rest of the flywheel and they come back around. And they create like a little mini flywheel just between those three. And it sounds right, like followers, vision, resources, followers, vision, resources. That doesn't sound bad, but it really limits where your organization can go And those followers aren't the people who are on board. They're not committed. They're not necessarily the right people. And so you are constantly pulling and asking from them. And eventually, they're not interested. Yeah. And I would say, too, that that top piece of the flywheel, the followers, visions, and resources piece, is where most visionary leaders tend to find their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy and it's really common to kind of just turn that into its own little flywheel, but then you're missing out on so much of what makes an organization strong and last a long time. Yeah, that top part of the flywheel is like riding a bike without gears. (laughs) You can do it, but as soon as you have to go uphill now, all of a sudden it's really tough. Yeah. (laughs) And when you're going downhill, you can't really gain a ton of speed. Mm -hmm. You can't save up that momentum. Wow. Um, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You were going to say something. Sure. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, but uh, now I will. (laughs) But yeah, so circling back to the right people, I think another really big thing that causes a right people problem is when people look at you, do they see someone who is passionate, someone who is alive and excited about what they're doing? Um, that is so attractive to the right people. And that's why at the center of our flywheel, we really have that you and uh, the thing that we call the perfect average day, which is just really about finding out what uh, matters to you and what is uh, your passion and those things that drive you. And so when the right people come around and they and they take a look at your organization, they took a, take a look at you as a leader, one of the first things you're going to see is, is this person passionate or are they just, or are they in like total just maintenance mode? Because if they see the a passion and a drive and a care for what you're doing, then they're going to be interested in looking a little bit further and digging in. Okay, is this an organization that I trust? Is this an organization that can execute on what they want to do? Is this an organization that I want to be a part of because of the people that are in it? And so... I, I think if you're finding yourself in a position where you don't feel the passion or that excitement, I guarantee you the other people around you and your organization and the right people see that lack of passion and excitement. Mm-hmm. And it's your job to either figure out how do you get that back or how do you find out where you're actually meant to be working, where you're actually meant to be serving so that way you can really light that fire within people. Because like... Uh, it really is like lighting a fire. You have to have a heat source, you know, right in the center. And you as the leader of a team or an organization, you're that heat source. And if you're not putting that off, uh, that's a really big issue. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about this specifically from being within an organization. Because um, Ted and I have both led within organizations. And there was a season where I was over a smaller group of volunteers as running a shop. Um, 
And it was interesting because I had to develop my own passion and my own vision and my own excitement for what I was doing under the umbrella vision of what the larger organization was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that as a leader, if you're a leader in the middle, you need to be aware that, yes, you have the umbrella vision of whatever organization you're serving in or whatever organization you're leading in, but you need to figure out how to take that vision and I don't know if adjust is the right word, but bring it into your own leadership in a way that specifically ignites your heart on fire. Because the vision for the organization triggers the heart of someone up at the top. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, But as you're leading within it, you need to find a way to take that, make it yours, and have it come across in a way that actually gets you excited for what you're doing and creates a vision within the vision for the area that you are serving in. So for me, with what I was doing in the shop, the shop was kind of like this small little auxiliary portion of the larger organization. And so I had to be really conscious to not just say what the overall vision statement was, because if I wasn't careful in how I communicated it, my volunteers in that area and my leaders in that area wouldn't understand why what they were doing mattered. Yeah, they wouldn't care about their specific role. Yeah, they would not care about their role because their role didn't fit, quote unquote, fit in the bigger picture, even though it really did fit in the bigger picture. And so as leaders, we need to be aware that we can't only rely on someone else's vision, but we have to be willing to do the work of finding that part of that vision that speaks to us that we can then communicate and bring that excitement into our teams. Yeah, I found myself in that position all the time trying to figure out how can I do this? And what I sort of landed on, um, so this is big time for leaders in the middle, is think of the overall organization's vision as the title of the book. The vision of your team is the subtitle. Like it really need, they need to go together. They need to fit. But the subtitle just kind of expounds on that a little bit, makes it a little bit more tangible, makes it a little bit more practical and helps the people who are wired to help on your specific team, on your uh, specific area in the organization gets those people lit up, gets those people excited. Mm-hmm. And and that's really, really important because I see a lot of uh, leaders in the middle making their own title of a book. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way to do it. That's a really great way to cause a lot of division in an organization and to really undercut the ability of the organization to execute mm-hmm. on what they're trying to do. So that's really, really important. It's a good way to just also remember to honor the leadership that you have that is above you. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not you agree with them on everything, it's important that you still fall in line. And if and if there's a point where you're like, OK, I actually do need to start my own thing. That's OK. But don't try to start your own thing when you are on the payroll of somebody else. Yeah, When you're in the middle of their <laughs> thing. Like, yeah. When you're in the middle of their thing, like it's a really bad idea to try to start your own thing that is a complete offshoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, If you are submitting to their vision and then you hit a point where you realize I just can't do this anymore, then it's time to probably step aside and find something else that you're doing. Yeah, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, we'll have to have that conversation yeah, when we have a, a really, vision really day. have a lot of thoughts about um, that. But going back to right people, for leaders in the middle, it is totally healthy for you to still have your own board. I'm not talking about the real board of directors on the, you know, if you're running a nonprofit, on the nonprofit's organizational papers or whatever. But having advisors around you 
that understand your specific role within the organization is incredibly smart. And having people at the same level as you in different organizations is really smart as well. That's where you're going to get the community and that's where you're going to get really good input into what it is that you're doing. And you're going to have people who innately understand what you're doing. Which is really nice when you go through tough times. (laughs) Yeah, which is really nice. I had a group of women for a few years. There are probably 10 or 12 of us. And we all held the same position within an organization. And I could pop online. We met once a month. And I could pop online and say one sentence. And everyone knew everything that was going on around it. They knew all the questions they asked. They knew how to follow up with me. They knew how to care for me because we were all in the same position. And so we didn't have to explain ourselves. But that being said, if you're going to bring those people into your life in a way where they're allowed to speak to you, um, you need to make sure that they are people who have found a way to healthily lead within the organization and done it in a way that's healthy for the overall vision of that organization. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want people speaking into you who, um, the minute something gets tough, they start pointing fingers at the people around you and start trying to cause division with what you're doing, especially nonprofits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like volunteers see it. It hurts a lot of people. And ultimately, the mission and the vision needs to be greater than our own personal pride. So I want to kind of turn <laughs> turn just slightly a little bit here and talk about how can we uh, get the right people? How mm-hmm. can we attract the right people? How can we do all that? And so uh, whenever we're talking about anything on the flywheel, the answer is almost always, no, it is always leverage other parts of the flywheel to increase this one. So, so mm-hmm. let's say you don't have the right people around you, but you do have a lot of resources. You have a lot of time, you have a lot of money, or and or you have a lot of like a large network. Mm-hmm. You can leverage those resources to get the right people around you. Maybe you don't have a lot of resources. So then you have to look and see, okay, what else do we have? Do we have a really compelling vision? Do we have, you know, what are we strong in? Do we are do we have a lot of really great stories? We can leverage stories to get the right people. Mm-hmm. Do we have really amazing systems? We can definitely leverage the systems to get the right people because now we can attract people who love systems and who are uh, their trust in organizations goes through the roof when they see that there are really great systems in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're looking for these people, it's super important to go for the ask. Be incredibly clear. Here is what I see in you. Here is why I value you. Here is what I'm asking for. And not to beat around the bush about it, not to apologize for it, and never say to someone, I know you're super busy, but I'd like you to volunteer your time. (laughs) Like, I know you're super busy and have a lot going on, but I'd like you to be on my board. The right people are always going to have full schedules the vast majority of the time. Yep. The the right people are usually in very high demand. Um, And so your goal in that conversation is not to let them know that you know they're in high demand and you're apologetic for asking for more of their time. The goal of that conversation needs to be that you have such a strong conviction for your vision that you think that what you're asking them to do is so important that they would be willing to set something else in their life down. Hmm. And if you can't approach someone with that, then you need to go back to yourself and your perfect average day and your vision and really figure out how to... get that vision into your heart so that you are willing to believe that someone else would want to prioritize what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a step further 
back even more and take take more of a, an eagle's eye view of this because before you even go to start trying to attract the right people, you need to figure out what does the right people look like. That's really for your true. organization. And what right people do you need? And what do the wrong people look like? Mm-hmm. And what positions do you not need filled? Exactly. These are really, really big questions. You need to think, okay, what what areas are is our organization really struggling with right now? A lot of times, the right people will help fill some of those cracks. Um, so figuring out what your organization is struggling with is a good starting point. Um, another great place to start is, are we doing things on our own that we are, we're okay at, but we're not great at? You want to find people, the right people are going to be great at what they do, not okay at what they do. And just because you're the leader of the organization and because you can do it, because you have the time, you have the, you know, you have the, the sweat equity or whatever that you can put into something doesn't make you the right person for it. <laughs> sure. Step out of the way and bring in the right person. But that means that you're going to define, okay, what are the things that I'm really, really, really great at? Chances are we don't need that right now. But what are the things that I'm okay at are probably the things that you are, uh, you might be able to attract somebody into the organization to do. The things that you're really, really bad at might not attract somebody yet. Mm-hmm. Like they might see how terrible your systems are because you're disorganized and they might be great at it. And they're like, I don't want to fix that mess. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will take something that's good and I'll make it better, but I, I'm not going to jump into something horrible and make it okay. But I think someone not wanting to jump in something horrible is more. They don't want to jump into something that the leader doesn't value. Ooh. Like yeah. I. <laughs> that's good. Um, I was half joking with a friend of mine one time, but I brought up something about an outside organization. I was just like, hey, I had this thought about this thing that you're working on. He was like, well, you know what they say. If you see it, you should try and fix it. And I was like, well, you know what they say back. If the leader doesn't value it, why waste your time? Like, <laughs> and he, We both laughed. Like, It was all in good fun. Um, but I think it's really important because sometimes as a leader, we're like, man, my systems are screwed up. I need to get the right person in place. But the right people need to know that you value what it is that they're bringing in with them, that you value those skills, and that if they set up all the systems, if they ever leave, it's not just all going to go to trash. Right. Like, they want to know that what they're doing is actually valuable, not just the organization as a whole, but that the leader actually values it, too, because that's what's going to make it last long term. So hopefully in this conversation, you've come up with a few maybe names of the right people that you want to bring into your organization, or maybe a couple positions that you're like, this needs to be filled, whether it's by staff or a volunteer or maybe somebody that we can 1099 for something. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just want to bring in the right people. And maybe, probably, you've also had a few names pop into your head. This is the wrong person for this organization. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't have to be personal. But it is very important that you eject that piece from your organization because you need to make the space for the right person to come in. And the right person is not going to want to, you know, trample all over somebody else. Right. I would say, and this is just an example of what we've done in the past. I know when you were working in nonprofit, Mm -hmm. uh, you hit a moment where you're like, man, I need to get some stuff under control. And the first thing we did was draw out an org chart. Mm -hmm. Not an org chart. You had the org chart of what was currently there. 
Um, Not for and, the whole organization, for my pocket. Yeah, for yep. your pocket of the organization. Um, you had the org chart of what currently was there, and then we made the org chart of what needed to be there. And then we transferred over the names that fit, and then adjusted other people and found new people. <laughs> adjusted the other names that didn't fit. And that was a big thing. Um, with a leader that we were talking to recently, we were talking about you know the fact that they needed the right people, um, but what they realized was... They didn't have some of the measurable impact in place, like the numbers for that, in order to really beef up their stories because they didn't have any person um, filling that role who was super numbers minded, someone who liked numbers, liked graphs, understood how to put them together, understood how to communicate it. And so very quickly, we realized like having this one right person would make it so that all these other things started to kind of click into place. So understanding not just what your org structure looks like now, but really what it needs to look like for you to get to your next level is so important um, because that's going to be the thing that allows you to see, all right, here are the actual positions I need to fill. Not just, I need to get some more people around me and I need them to be the right people. Like you need to know what their role is so that you're actually asking them to something specific. Another question you need to ask is, you know, what does the right person look like as far as an organizational culture? You know, they might have all the skills, they might have um, a really high intelligence, they might be really like have really high emotional intelligence, but just culturally, and I'm not talking like inter, you know, continentally, culturally, I'm talking like organizational culture. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're too relaxed and you have a very st- kind of strict company culture or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a really loose company culture and they are the person who always wears khaki pants and a polo and you're just like so you got to think through (laughs) organizationally culturally wise is this person like what are we actually looking for because defining all those things early on culture is a really hard thing to teach when you're bringing on the right person you want to make sure that the very baseline the culture requirement is probably the first one you want to make sure that you check off because you can teach a basic skill you can teach um, what your organization's requirements are for their job and communication and that kind of stuff. But it's really, really hard to change somebody's culture that they've developed over 30 years of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super important to know, not just the position that they're filling, because you're totally right. You can have all the right skills in the right role, but if they're just not the right fit, mm-hmm. it's just not right. So, hey, with that, this has been a really great episode. I hope y'all are getting something from it. My question for you today is what are three positions or maybe just one position, but what is up to three positions within your organization that you know you need to get to the next level? Um, That could be just another team leader as a volunteer, or it could be, you know what, currently I'm doing this and I need to be willing to let go and let someone else do something. Um, what are one, two, or three positions that you need to get to the next level within your organization? And you guys, that's how we build a legacy. We look at what we are trying to build and we figure out where can this grow? What are What's the lowest hanging fruit to be able to push this thing forward? And for a lot of us, the right people is that spot. Uh, we'd love for you to reach out 
to us over Twitter or, you know, find out our email over at LegacyBuildersINTL.com and send us some answers or your thoughts and just get a, a dialogue going. We are totally open to that and we love talking with our listeners. So uh, feel free to reach out. And uh, this has been an awesome episode. This has been. <laughs> not, not, to, not to toot our own horn, but it was pretty great. thanks for listening to the legacy builders movement if you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review to learn more about legacy builders go to legacybuildersinternational.com that's legacybuildersintl.com 